Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. This is our attempt to speak the gospel out of every corner of Scripture. We believe every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Let's jump in. Right. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us. Week, what, eight? I have no idea. Of the best book of the Bible, Leviticus. Best book of the Bible. One thing I keep thinking about as we've been like going through these is like Leviticus is really hard to read. Mm-hmm. And like, so if you're walking through Leviticus with us and you're like, how are they enjoying this so much? <laughs> like, yeah, what? I just wanted to encourage you. Like, Leviticus is, is hard, to, hard read. to read. It is a list of laws yep. and it's not easy to get through. Right. And so what we're doing here is kind of the the best way to do it. And it's like we're taking the easy path out. It's like let's just talk about Leviticus at a broad level. Right. And then assume by talking about a broad level, it makes sense when you read, read Leviticus 17, it's, 18. Exactly. And so we recognize <laughs> that's that might, might not be your current experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's really helpful. It's like the Leviticus brings out ideas that are beautiful, fun to talk about, find their fulfillment in Jesus. But then when you actually sit down to read it, 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 it's like you got to work to right. see those little cracks. Because we suggested a couple of weeks ago, just take one verse. Like, oh, And right. then like yeah, think yeah. about the character, the character of God. Of God yeah. but like fast forward it, rewind it, do yeah. all this stuff to it. I was like, well, you could do that for eight years and get through the book of Leviticus. <laughs> or you could try to – like there's no easy way right. to get through the book of Leviticus. It's true. and uh, but, so, it, but it is a narrative. Yeah. So I say that to yeah. encourage you. Like, yeah. Keep going. Keep going. It's worth it. It's the it's, it's the wisdom it. of the Lord. It is. Yeah. We were just talking about before we came on the air that every bit of truth that we're able to see is grace from God. That if it wasn't for God, for, for God, everything we knew about the world would be a lie. Right. And this is part of the truth that has broken through our lie. And so it's worth reading. And yeah. It's There's wisdom. The world is accorded to wisdom. Yeah. I was thinking about this. This is nothing to do with our podcast Great. at all, but uh, oh, this particular episode. But it's like the, the heavens declare the glory of God. Yeah. The skies proclaim His handiwork. And I was th- and I was watching a TV show about regenerative regenerative land management. Of course, you were. Of, co- of course, I was because anyway, and they talked about they had this huge piece of Texas wilderness that had just been industrially farmed mm. for decades. Right. And essentially, there was no nutrients left in the soil totally. because it was just. F- monoculturally farmed, industrially right. farmed for so long. And so what they did was they came out with a big portable chicken coop that would like sit on a space of like 20 feet by 20 feet in this big square. And they'd let a bunch of chickens out and a bunch of animals roam in that section. They'd leave it there for a week and they'd move it. Uh-huh. And you would see this huge plain of um, just gr- dead grass. And wherever the chickens were, there would be green grass in a wow. perfect square. And they talked about the reason this happens is because the land regenerates itself when the land is allowed to be fa- like farmed by the animals, mm-hmm. be grazed slowly, to be fertilized by poop and everything else. Like it actually comes back to life. Yeah. And that so has thought, everything to do with our text. And I was like, the wisdom of God yeah. is actually in the way the ecosystem is designed. Like the world functions best when right. things just. When things work the way that God designed them. Well, but that actually, 
our text talks oh, about it that. It does talk about that. Yeah. I forgot. <laughs> that's, that's, that's like a perfect example perfect for this text. segue. I meant that yeah. totally. We'll talk about we'll talk about these festivals that um, Israel is supposed to have on a yearly basis, and one of them every seven years was to leave the land like to, to rest to rest and then and 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 they eventually israel won't and they don't and so god says it, it, later in chapter 26 that he's going to kick them out of the land and when he finally kicks them out of the land after they have disobeyed how he told them to take care of their farms it says in 2643 but the land shall be abandoned by them and enjoy its Sabbath while it while it lies desolate without them. And they shall make amends for their iniquity because they spurn my rules and they have abhorred my statutes. And so once Israel's kicked out of the land, then the farmland actually right. gets to rest and gets to regrow and the chickens get to come and do right. what Israel wouldn't. So if you if you like <laughs> if really you complete the circle on let's just let's land on the let's just start out of order with the year of Jubilee. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so like so the year of Jubilee was yep. supposed to be uh this entire year yep. where you didn't actively farm the land yep. but you just let it Sit. Sit. Yep. And there would obviously be seeds in it from the year before, so it would grow grain and fruit would still be producing, but you weren't going to harvest it like you normally would. Right. You'd walk out of your house, like harvest maybe, like, you know, you'd like scythe off. Yeah, grab something. Grab something, pick some fruit off the trees, but that's all you did. Right. And the idea was that the land, well, one, the land needs to rest. We know that from modern science, Mm -hmm. like the land needs to rest, but also it talked about this theological point that the Lord has designed the world in periods of rest. Yes. And this is a, an example of your trust in him. Yeah. And he even says like, well, how will I eat if this, uh, if, if in this one year that I'm not supposed to um, gather grapes mm. or do whatever else? Mm-hmm. And it says, therefore, and this is chapter 25, 18, therefore you shall keep my statutes and my rules and perform them and you'll d- dwell in the land securely. Uh, and if you say, what shall we eat in the seventh year if we may not sow or gather in our crops? And, do you, and the Lord says, I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year so that it will produce a crop sufficient for three mm-hmm. years. When you sow in the eighth year, you'll be eating some of the old crop and you shall eat the old until the ninth year when the crop arrives. Mm. So he says, I like, the point is, trust me. Right. Oh, that's interesting too, because then in the blessing section in verse 26, chapter 26, I was like, that's a weird blessing to give, but it says that you'll eat really old grain basically. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. you'll eat stuff that's been stored away for a long time that should have spoiled, but it won't. And I was like, weird. Okay, cool. Like, I guess they didn't have fridges and that's what they needed. But it's like, oh, because this is part of the cycles that they're right. going through is like part of the blessing is that God huh. will keep this grain. And I don't want to go all Al Gore like on this podcast, <laughs> but like industrial farming right. breaks oh, yes. some of the commands of scripture. It and breaks the principles yes. of scripture behind the Jubilee year. Absolutely. And so when you see it seeded back to the wilderness and just allow animals to graze on it, the fact that it like comes back to life so quickly is proof that the Lord has designed the world with wisdom. Yes. And it's intended to rest from your labor. Right. So the Lord can provide the growth. That's so good. And I think that's actually, actually, I'm glad we, we went forward. Good. Because now I think we can go back a little more healthily and a little more helpfully and go rhythms of rest. That's what this is. That's, that's what exactly that's what, right. So what we're going to read is this series of seven festivals that are supposed to take place every year. Note seven. Note note seven. It's all we're <laughs> going to talk about this episode is the number seven because it's all the Leviticus talks about from here forward. The Lord created the world in six days and right. rest on the seventh. Yep. Ordered the week the the world into a pattern of a seven day week, and all throughout the entire Israelite calendar is based around sevens. Yes. 
And so, um, and, and I don't know, we should probably talk a little bit about Sabbath because it is the headed, the heading command here. So uh, chapter 23, verse 3, six days work shall be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. And okay. then it unpacks what to do with all these other days of rest and weeks of rest um, which are basically extrapolations of what? this one day of the Sabbath. So like, we should probably right. talk about the Sabbath. So, so what is the Sabbath for? Yeah, rest. Rest. And, yeah. It, and, and, Did and God trust? need to rest? No. Like, so like, what's God's rest? What's Why is God right. resting yeah. then? Yes. And why does that inform our rest? Because we need to, it's hard for us to separate us getting tired yeah. from resting. God doesn't get tired, yet he rested. Right. So like, why does him resting when he doesn't get tired I mean we must rest when we eventually will get tired. Right. Well, and I think, so So one, why did God rest after creation was over? I think it was to show its finality it's first. Like it's done. It's, it's completed. Done. Uh, but, but ultimately, it was to example the paradigm that humans are supposed to live, is that the whole idea is that God created us to rest with him. But what we see, we see like, you know, days one through six of creation, and then God rests. And then chapter two of Genesis comes, and we get it repeated, and we see kind of in more of a narrative form. We yeah, see yeah. we see the grass comes, and then the animals come, and Adam's then, naming things. Yeah, Adam's woman, naming. Woman yeah, shows up. Woman shows up. But then the, then it's the fall. They don't enter their rest. Right? Right, right, right. And so they don't finish the cycle that God created. Right. Was work. And then rest. And God's was meant to be a perpetual rest forever yeah. in Eden for man. Working, but also resting. Yes. Right, yeah. Yes. But, it, but it was a it was a tending, right. tend the garden. It wasn't until they were kicked out that it said work the ground. Yeah. Then then it's work right, right. the ground, which is what Leviticus will talk about a lot is working the ground. So and all Sabbath this stuff. then Sa- yeah. becomes the way for Israel to complete the days of creation that yes. Adam and Eve never were able to. That's right. And in part, in, in part. part, they could, it wasn't totally because they still had six days of work. Right, but Sabbath is what we were made for. We were made to rest with God, and so like when Hebrews comes and talks about that a Sabbath rest remains, and God is begging us to enter our rest, He's saying, "Trust that when Jesus said it is finished on the cross, He was finishing the sixth day of creation and putting an end to everything, and now you can enter His rest every day and rest and uh, know that it's done." But ultimately, Sabbath also points us forward to a, a day of perpetual rest where we will enter that seventh eternal day that will right. never end. The sun will never set on it. Where we're not no longer toiling. That's right. We're just tending. And, tending. Yes. And it's good. There's a difference because I have a little garden. Yep. And it's nice. Yeah. It, it produces a lot of mint. A lot of mint. <laughs> so, <laughs> so much, so much mint, mint at your house. But I've got tomatoes coming and basil yeah. and cucumbers are growing, which is awesome. But there's a real big difference between... The, like the first days where I have to like hoe the entire little patch of land. Oh, sure. It's, it's literally backbreaking. Yeah. But there is like, because now I've got a sprinkler system and it's just like a small plot of land. Like I don't really have to take work it. Oh, it's yeah. It's like I go out there, I pick up a couple weeds and my sprinkler system takes care of the rest. Sure. There's a side of mind. I'm just tending, tending the, I'm tending the garden. and toiling and tending. And like, I really enjoy that part of it. Like, yeah. And then I get to eat it, right. the fruit. It's like, this is really fun. Which my kids like enjoy this it. This year yeah. of Jubilee you talked about is almost like the tending. Right. You're just yeah. going out in the farm, grabbing some fruit, whatever, but you're not doing the toilsome work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. That is interesting. Okay. okay. So all of this is meant then 
to point us to the rest that God wants for us. And and that's I think it's rest a, in his presence with that, him. Yeah, I was about like, to say, yeah, it's him, twofold. Right? It's it's not only rest from our work, it is rest in him. That he wants us to be in his presence, which is why all of these fest festivals um are centered on the tent of meeting. In fact, like at, at the, at, at the, the yeah, presence yeah. of God. In fact, and, and we'll have the word sojourn here, which is kind of like the um Oh, what's it called when when Muslims go to Mecca? Hajj. Uh, Hajj. The Hajj. The Hajj. Yeah, um, and it, it's like you know sojourn, take a trip to the tent and be with God. In fact, this word that you see over and over and over again, um, holy convocation, um, a, a probably better translation might be like a convention because it literally means yeah. a calling, like a, a holy calling, a holy like come together, a holy gathering, like a you know you we we go to conventions. Yeah, this you day know, is a day of solemn rest, a holy calling. Yeah. Like a holy gathering, calling, yeah, a holy gathering. Come to my rest, presence. Of resting people. Right. And so the all of these pictures, you're not supposed to see people like in their houses, privately observing, you know, like like we might on Easter, right. you know? I, I think about like just going to a resort. This is a oh, weird, right, okay. but like when you, like it's not a holy calling, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like there's a sense like when, you, when I go to a resort, people are friendly. Yeah. It's like. There's this sense that they've come here to rest. Right. And because everyone's laid back, like the way that I interact with them kind of fundamentally changes. Like, yeah. And since I know that I'm about to leave, like I'm normally not super impressed with impressing them or making sure that like I'm really like the funniest version of me that I am. It's right. like, there's just some friends I met on the cruise. Like I've never been on a cruise, but still like the idea. <laughs> hypothetical cruise. Hypothetical cruise. Like the idea is like when you gather together to rest, you're not, j it's like, when you're around other people that are also resting, I think it actually changes the way mm. that you relate to people around you too, which I, this got to be part of it, right? Like you're, it's not oh, just definitely. rest from your labor, but it's resting with others. It's and a, in, yep. It's a social rest. Yeah. It's a social rest that, and it's also like social worship that we are worshiping communally and together. And so it's like, why do we gather for worship on Sunday as Christians? It's like, because we were never, this was never meant to be a private religion. Right. This is a corporate religion that we come together and we sing together. And like the New Rest Testament together. picks up on a lot of this stuff that it's like we exhort one another, we Do encourage you think one another. The average Christian experiences Sunday morning as restful? Probably not. I don't know if I always do. No, uh, always definitely not. But like there are those times when I come in and I just leave like refreshed. Yeah. And I just feel like I just took a 12 hour nap and I woke up. Because I don't happier. think I've ever walked in on a Sunday morning and said, I have been called to this building right. for today to rest here. Right. I'm like, I don't think, of, I mean, I work at a yeah, church. It's, so it's a little it's bit different a little for different. me. Yeah, it's your workplace. But I don't also don't know if like that's how I've ever taught about the No, Sunday I don't mornings. think I've ever taught about it like that. It's like, I because, okay, what are the metaphors people normally use for Sunday morning? It's like, I've heard it like the refueling station. Yeah. What's Sunday morning for? It's like, you you know, you, you, you your gas Sp tank gets empty throughout the week and you get here and you fill it up. Of course, I, I have an electric car now, so that, Ooh, it's completely... It's a charging station. Charging station. <laughs> your EV charging station. Speaking of Al Gore. Okay. <laughs> Let's see how many more Al Gore references we can get on the podcast Well, I'll, I'll upload it on the internet that he created later. Okay. There we go. That's three. Three. We gotta get to seven. <laughs> seven. We have to do seven. Anyway, but it's like, yeah, I don't think I've ever viewed it as, or especially taught it as come and rest. Even though like people often, without thinking about it, equate... The Christian Sunday service to the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day. Right, yeah. But we don't ever, but it's like, if anything, the rest we do is when we sit on the couch and watch TV. Yeah. That's like, I'm resting for my work. But I it's also like, think it's like a young kid, and especially as a young religious, legalistic kid, like Sunday was where I got to prove 
mm. that I was like a oh, good kid. It's the opposite of Sabbath rest. Right. It's like it's it's the locus of all my religious anxieties was on mm. Sunday morning. Yeah, 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 definitely. And so it's like, am I raising my hands enough? Am I singing loud enough? Like Yeah. Am I you know, my dad told me a do story. Do I know all the memory verses in front of the youth group kids? <laughs> my dad told me a story recently about how he would he he at one point he was embarrassed uh from his kids like from us as like babies yeah that we would cry in church because it was like right you couldn't make a noise and it's like it's just like so heavy on that moment yeah it's like it's a lot of work to keep a child quiet yeah (laughs) that's not restful i've got got an eight week old right now (laughs) it is a lot of work to keep that baby quiet yeah that's interesting okay so so holy calling a holy calling to rest are these festivals with the lord and so the first one we see other than the weekly sabbath is passover it's the one so that's mentioned so, first. Yeah, so, sure. So we have s- the first feast is the Sabbath feast. Right. And there's six more feasts, totally up to seven. And a lot of these other ones all happen in multiples of seven too, right? There are actually, even without counting the Sabbath, there are seven listed here. Okay, okay, right. okay. Yeah, uh, even without counting the Sabbath. And so uh, I'll, I'll list them off. One, Passover. Two, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Three, the Feast of Weeks, or like the, f- the first fruits, like what we know as Pentecost. Four, the Day of Solemn Rest. Five, the Day of Atonement. Six, the Day of Booths. And seven, the Day of Rest after Booths. So oh, there's, okay. if, there's you, if you take that eighth day mm-hmm. after. Because it has its own private sectored right, off right, 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 command right. to rest, which none of the other ones have. Yeah. It's like this own little thing. So sure. anyway, or, or if you don't want to count that one and you want to count Day of Rest or, or Booths altogether. Yeah. Then you can count the Sabbath as the Got seventh, it. which works. Either also. way, either are, way, there's you're seven. supposed to see seven. That's very, very clear. There's and the Passover to see seven. takes place fourteen days, yep. two sevens after the first month. Yep. The Feast of First Fruits, that one's a different one. There's no time stamp on that one. Because, oh, right, because, because it's, it's based on the harvest. When the harvest comes, so it could have been uh, could have been colder or hotter. So like the harvest comes later. Oh, so, right, right, right. Oh, because the Feast of Weeks is seven, after is different than the First Fruits. I right, said that wrong. Seven right. full weeks right. from the Sabbath. Uh, that you offer the first fruits. That's so you're right. supposed to count 50 days and then offer seven lambs during that time. And then the Feast of Trumpets mm-hmm. is in the seventh month. The Day of Atonement is in the seventh month. Uh-huh. The Most fe- of them are in the seventh month. Yeah, the, the Feast of... It's a great... It's just a day off. It's a month off. It's seriously... We, we totaled it up. It's 18 day vacation days. Yeah, at least. <laughs> at least. Oh, 19. 19. 19 vacation days. Not including your weekly Sabbaths. 19 days. Almost a full month off. Right. It was like, that's... That's that's more generous than a lot of compensation packages <laughs> now, especially if you work in retail or like the food service yeah, industry. You know, there's no guaranteed days off except Memorial Day. Right. No, you don't even get those off. Like Starbucks is open every day. That's McDonald's, true. you know, yeah. like there's nowhere that's anyway. Yep. God's like, I'm gonna give you almost a month off. I mean, if you count all the Sabbaths, it's, it's over a month off. Right, right, right. Anyway, that's pretty cool. Okay. Uh, and so basically, we have we have the Passover, which was a, a remembering. Um, yeah. the Passover that happened in, in Exodus. We have a whole episode on that back in our Exodus series. So it's we all don't about how that. it points to Jesus too, which is great. Yes. <laughs> um, and then there's the, uh, inside the Passover, there's also the Festival of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is pointing to the time when they were fleeing Egypt and they didn't have time for their bread to be leavened. So here for seven days, they're supposed to eat unleavened bread. And then you have the first fruits where they bring in the first fruits of their harvest. So whenever the yeah. harvest comes, you gather a sheaf of grain and you bring it to the temple and you say, God gets the first right. of my harvest. And the point of that is is twofold, at least. Yeah. One, to say, 
God, what you gave me this. So it, it belongs to you. I gave you the very first of it. It belongs to you because you gave it to me. But then it's also an expectation offering of where you're saying, come the, I, I can give you this first because I know you're about to bring the rest, the rest of the of harvest. The harvest. Right. Exactly. And so this one's a really easy one to see Jesus oh, in. Oh, definitely. Because the the New Testament will frequently pick up on this theme of first fruits. That's right. And call Jesus the firstborn, the first fruits from the dead. Right. Which is a crazy phrasing, but what it means is that Jesus is being offered to the Lord as the first one of the dead, one as a, what was the first thing you just said? Sorry? What, what was the first thing you just said? Like the, the two reasons why? Oh, right. Uh, the first one was that that God gave me this. Right. The, it's like a recognition that the Lord has given us Jesus Christ and that he is giving him new life. Right. And it's a hope that the expe- of an expectation that all of us who place our trust in him will be resurrected as well. That's right. It's also really interesting that, uh, so we, we, we basically, not I guess not we equate it, but Jesus was raised, Easter yeah. was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And during that time, uh, probably on Easter Sunday, would be the time when the very first sheaf for the for the feast of unleavened bread would have been sacrificed on the altar, oh. and so it's we're supposed to see when, when he's saying that Jesus is the first fruit of the resurrection, like uh, I think Paul says that in First Corinthians five seven through eight, he talks about that um, or fifteen seven through eight. Um, it's just really interesting that talks about like the fact that the 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 Jewish mind would have been replaying not only the Passover that they celebrated every year to celebrate Exodus, but also this other ritual where they would take a first grain offering and put it on the um the the, the altar. Like they yeah. would have that in their head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they and so to say that Jesus was the first fruit offering. Right. That, I mean just the the historical mind would just be able to populate all of these images that we have to work to conceive. Yeah. It's just cool. Is it is it 1 Corinthians uh, 15 where Paul also talks about the seed dying in the ground yes, and coming back to life? It so it's like he, his whole conceptual universe is grounded. Is grain-based. Is in 20... <laughs> his salvific universe is agricultural. It's it's about bread. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. all here in Leviticus yeah, it's 23 gr- to 27. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and so after after that, we already talked about the Feast of Weeks. We have well, not, not really. really. So you said it was an analog to Pentecost, right? Yep. So because so so f- fifty days, you count fifty days. Penta was pe- means 50. fifty. Yeah. So, so fifty days after after the, pa- as, after the first fruits, right? And so Jesus being the first fruits of the dead, mm-hmm. we, we count from him. We <laughs> count from him being the first fruits of the dead, fifty days. Yep. And that's when the Holy Spirit falls on everybody in Acts two. That's right. So do we see the Holy Spirit falling? Or an analog to that here? Well, uh, so what what the Feast of Weeks was supposed to do was to be thanking God for his gifts. So if you think about it, right, the first fruits of the harvest come, you give God the first. What happens the next 50 days? The rest of the crop grows. Right, right, right. So what do you do for the Feast of Weeks? You bring a bunch of offerings and you sacrifice them and you party and eat for a week. Right. You, all like, you, all you all do is eat. Fruit. Right. Because why? Because God's been generous to you and right. he's given you animals and grain. You've been and pickling so you, and you've yeah, been exactly. cooking. And you've so been... you just eat for a week. And so what do we see at Pentecost? We see the greatest gift God has ever given us, his very self living in us. And so we celebrate the fact that God has given us everything we need like to live out the life that he's called us to live. He gives us his very presence. He gives us spiritual gifts. He gives like, us spiritual gifts. Like, and so, um, and, and I mean, one commentator I read even said like, Pentecost is also a great time to remember that we we definitely want to remember the gift of the Spirit, but like we can also remember that God gives us every good thing. 
right? right. Like yeah, food yeah, yeah. and yeah. And so we can remember all that. And so, yeah, I definitely think we're meant to reflect on the Feast of Weeks whenever we think about the day of Pentecost in Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit came because the greatest gift that the harvest of Jesus' resurrection has ever earned was the fact that he now dwells with us. So let's pause for, for a second. Why is the time itself important? Oh, sure. So, because like, I think we've said multiple different times, like Sabbath is like kind of a posture of the heart. You're always resting. Right. But like, the, it's going through pretty intricate detail to say, okay, every, every seventh day, yep. the 14th day of the first Mark month. Mark your calendars. The first time you <laughs> yep. get any kind of first fruits, like the first fruit of the harvest, seven, 50, exactly 50 days later, seven, the seventh month of the year, the 16th day of the seventh month. Why specify such rigid times? Like, why is that necessary? Why is it important? Like, yeah, I think the text, if we're just going to look at Leviticus, I think the answer it gives us is that we are prone to forget is that we like the whole reason each of these are given at the end, almost at the end of every single festival. It's, it's to remember what God had done. Remember that he brought you out of Egypt. Remember that you fled so quickly and without any preparation that you didn't have time to leaven your bread. Right. Remember in the feast of booths, what you're going to do in the Feast of Booths is you're going to set up little palm branch tents and dwell around the tabernacle to remember the time that you were around Mount Sinai and you were getting the law. Like right. you're supposed to remember all of these things. And even some of the laws that we find in this section um, about like when it talks about harvesting, it's like don't harvest up to the edge of your field. Leave some for the poor. Why? Well, because you were poor and a slave in Egypt. And so right. everything this section is doing is hearkening us back to what God had done. And so what we need to remember is why would God give us these things is to make make us not forget. We are right. prone to forget. And like and especially if you're going to read the Torah as a whole, what does Deuteronomy lean, double down on? It, that right. you will forget. Or if you remember me, you'll obey. It's, forget, disobey, remember, obey. Those things get linked. Yeah, it's funny like the, the it's like we are supposed to remember what God has done for us. Right. That's what these these holidays are for. Yes. These feasts are for. So we have some holidays in our calendar that uh-huh. do that. So we have Basically, Christmas and Easter. Christmas and Easter. Yep. And that's kind of, I mean, well, there's a liturgical calendar. There is that We're, some of our listeners might be very familiar with. So Others, if you're in more, you know, mainline not, Protestant denominations. And essentially, the liturgical calendar kind of follows a version of this, right? Yes. Where it's like Jesus died on this day, rose on this day, awaited this, like, we waited for this long. Yep. It, I don't know the liturgical calendar super well, right. but like there's Ash Wednesday, Lenten, like I know mm-hmm. some of these things. Yeah, it's 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 trying to do the same thing, is to right. hook us into the controlling narrative of the universe, which is the gospel of Jesus right. and the works of God throughout all time. Right. Yeah. And so like, yeah, I think... It kind of redeems for me a little bit too. I know I, know I have a lot of friends who practice the... The, the calendar. The, not the calendar. Oh. Well, yes, the liturgical calendar, but also um, Passover and booths and tabernacles. Oh, right, yep. I think, and I've always like, well, you're not obligated to do that. And there always seems to be this energy, like you should be doing this if you want to be truly Christian. But I think the way that we're talking about it now, it makes me feel a lot more open-handed about it. It's like, well, it's actually a way to remember what the Lord right. has done. Yep. It's, as, a, yep. it's a personal conscious decision. Paul talks about this. Right. So, which is funny. If we, Remember, we talked about the, should we obey Old Testament law? Here's right. a great example. Um, a few episodes we talked about, should we or should we not obey Old Testament laws and why? And here we see more than anywhere else in the law, we see the phrase, this is a perpetual statute. This You have to observe this feast forever. And so it's like, oh, 
well, are they right then? Right. To right, say right, that right. you you must do, but then we see in in like Colossians uh, and even in Acts, we see the New Testament believers saying, "Don't let anybody judge you for not keeping one of these festivals." Right. And it's like, oh, wait, what? Why why don't we why don't we celebrate these anymore? And uh, and the the answer is probably because you are now in a perpetual rest. He's ratcheted up. Right, the command, and now the command is every single day find your rest in Jesus. And I would say that now that we live in a season of perpetual rest, I would say that the American calendar mm-hmm. has actually tapped into that, hmm. but it's bastardized it. Why? So because what's your rest based on? The fact that it's summer, the fact that it's our Independence Day. Oh right. Like I feel like we are given days oh, to mem- what you mean. to memorialize things, but it's all ethnocentric. It's, well, it's all ethnocentric, or it's the the purpose is rest. Oh, it's it, actually just it don't is, do anything. Just and, don't do anything. And like the idea is like we're we're not resting the rest of the time. So here's some extra days to rest. Oh, I understand. We we're it's, overworked. We're overworked. Yeah. And so or so I think so either we're overworked and we need these ways to rest. And the idea is to remember that it's good to rest. Right. Not remember what God has done. Or we idolize rest in such a way that we put it in our calendar and say, celebrate rest. Right. On all these days, because you'll forget if you're not careful mm-hmm. that rest is the best thing that you can do, and being on holiday is the ultimate good for life. Does right. that make sense? Oh, definitely. I feel like our weekend, we live for the weekend, TGI Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because rest, in and of itself, is, is the good. Is the good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think what this is saying is like rest isn't mm-hmm. the good. No. The Lord is the good. Right. And the way that He wishes to be celebrated is through your rest. Right. So there's a way to rest and take summer vacations and to retire yep. in a way that forgets the rest that's already been provided mm-hmm. and the work that's yet to be done. Right. So anyway, I was just like yeah. processing through like the way that we like misuse rest totally. in our calendar. Yeah, as that's well. really interesting. Yeah, and God wants to redeem that rest for us in Jesus. That we, we like we I mean, think about it when it comes to our own salvation. Right. right. We love to work for our own salvation. I mean, we even talked about with Sunday service. Right. Yeah. It's, That's where I get to prove all my religious exactly, cards. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And it's prove like, my religious cards. Prove my religious cards. Show my religious cards. Yes. Pro- yeah. Uh, and uh, and what Jesus is saying is it's finished. Like the work is done. You know, like uh, I've got to find that verse in in Hebrew. If you have observations, go ahead while I look this up. I was no. I think I was just trying to process like how do I repent of uncritically resting. Like, mm. and to what extent should I? And then to what extent do I need to also be actively engaging in more memorials of what the Lord has done? I mean, yeah. Sunday morning, right. great. The Hebrews did every Saturday. But Christmas and Easter are great. Resurrection and death, birth and resurrection of Jesus. But how else can I be involving myself in what the Lord has done? How can I be reminding my family, celebrating what God has done? Yeah, I mean, does it come down to like is it is it as simple as like maybe we should adopt a liturgical calendar right (laughs) part of me feels like that like it's not a i think there's been a resurgence within protestantism of the liturgical calendar which is originally catholic i'm pretty sure right like that was like a catholic i think so and i mean anglicans kept it right um, yep and so, uh, and there's other denominations that that hold that. And then I even know some Baptist churches and non-denominational churches observe it just because they see value in it. Right. Yeah. So there's there's this whole resurgence of like liturgy and order, and even like the people who celebrate the Passover and the Feast of Booth, they're doing the same thing. Right. Just using uh, the a, Old a, Testament yeah, feast to right, do so. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
Which is what Paul says. There's right. nothing wrong There's with nothing, that. It's a matter of conscience. It's like, but it's like you don't. Your conscience is not cleared from not remembering. Like you can't. Right. You can't not. So the question recall. for us as modern believers who are prone to idolize rest and not see rest as a way to point us to to the Lord is to say is is what. I think it's to redefine what we mean by rest. That rest is not inactivity, right? That rest is not doing nothing. I think that's what we understand. When we when we say yeah. rest, it means doing nothing. Right. But like rest is remembering. Right. Rest is remembering. Yeah, absolutely. And I love I, I find that verse in Hebrews I was looking for. Uh for this is Hebrews four ten. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. So I was making that point earlier about right. like how we want to earn our salvation through our works and God and Jesus is like, Jesus earned it for you. Enter Remem- God's rest. Remember that. Remember <laughs> that rest and rest from your meritorious works, not yeah. from doing anything. Right. That's not, we don't see Paul. If that was true, like if, it, if, if, if Christian rest, daily Christian sabbatical rest meant doing nothing, we would not have the missionary journeys of Paul. <laughs> like, right? right. He broke every Sabbath law. Right. <laughs> like, and so... And we'll yeah. have an anemic view of heaven. Oh my goodness! Or the new, yes. he- the new heavens and the new earth. Yes. When the Lord comes back and remakes the world, we will work. Yeah. For eternity, but it won't be toilsome. Toilsome. Yes. It'll, it'll be, be tending. Be, it'll be tending. It'll yeah. be enjoyable. Yes. Because I, I, the longer I've worked, like not like you know at marble slab. Yeah. <laughs> I was like the more dipping dots for me. Uh, dipping dots. Yep. Like, did you I really work? I did. Yeah. Oh, I did. <laughs> it was like the more I actually enjoy it. Like I enjoy oh, yeah. the rigor, yeah. the thinking, the processing. Not all, not all parts of it I enjoy, but there are aspects I love doing. Sometimes, like I want to work more than I want to go home. Some days, you know what I mean. Like, and I have to like I have obviously check, your heart. Yeah. check my heart. But right. like, one day we will work again, and it'll be lovely, it'll be perfect. Yeah, right. And like people talk about that all the time, where it's just like, um, I don't want to retire. I never want to stop working. Right, yeah, you know, yeah, and uh, and that's a good thing, like to want to. I mean, it could be a bad thing, right? right you right. know, but there's a perfect. In the same way that wanting to retire and sit on the beach can be can a bad also thing. be a bad thing, right. right? But there is a perfect, unsinful, unburdensome kind of work that we'll engage in forever, and it will be suited to who we are, who God has made us to be in the economy of heaven. Right. Uh, we'll live in the new. We're not all going to be farmers. We, people get on to millennials all the time. Like, I just want to follow my passions and do what I really love. <laughs> right, right, right. And everyone's res- response is normally like, well, you don't get to do what you want. Kid. Yeah, just get, just get the job in the still but, mill and get like, over it. Like there, But there is like, that's a real legitimate spiritual hunger right. to find satisfaction in your work. In your work. And the fact that you're not experiencing it right now is part of the fall. Right. And there is coming a day when your work will be satisfying and you will have the job that you love forever. Right. But it's only found by placing your trust in Jesus, right. the one who worked for us and is providing yep. for us like the world in which to work in. Yeah. And so how do you how do you keep resting and find peace when you're at a job that you hate, when you're at work that's unfulfilling? Right? It's like, right. I think that's, one of the ways is understanding that there is a supernatural rest for you. Right. That you can remember what Jesus has done for you on the cross. Remember what he's done in the Exodus. Yes. Remember what he provided here in Leviticus. Like reflect on his law. And the psalmist says, it's better than honey, it's better right. than wine, it's better than money, it's better than everything. And, and then it, you can begin to create Eden yes. where you are. Where you are, even if it's in the steel mill. Right. Yeah. In the, like at, As the shift supervisor at wherever you are. Dippin' Dots. Like, <laughs> Dippin' Dots. The shift supervisor at Dippin' Dots can create Eden yes. 
around him. One, it's easy for the ice cream. Everyone's so happy. That's right. My shift supervisor, she said that it was illegal to fill to like for a, a, an employee to eat out of the Dippin' Dots containers, the branded ones. Oh, really? Uh, and that was the rule, and that was supposed to keep employees from eating the Dippin' Dots, right? Right, right, right. But she said the the the, the rule book says nothing about bringing a Route 44 or like a big gulp <laughs> from 7-Eleven. So she would bring a big gulp from 7-Eleven oh, and fill it with Dippin' Dots gosh. and eat the whole time. Anyway, that was my shift. She was not creating Eden. She was not creating Eden. <laughs> but it should it's the opposite. It should redeem for you what work looks like. Yes. You can change corporate cultures yep. to look more like... The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. What heaven will look like. Right. Yeah. My, me, me and my friends, we used to have this saying like back in college when we were all utopian idealists and now I'm the only one left. Right. And now, <laughs> uh, we would look at like big bank buildings, you know, or, yeah, 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 or, like yeah. a, or like a huge empty lot that a government project started and abandoned or yeah, something yeah. like that, like the pit, lot 48 and Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. Um, but we would look at these places and we're like, what is that going to be in the kingdom of heaven? When the new heavens come, will the, what, what will this building be used for? It won't right. be used for like putting 12% a year debt on people for loans that they give. Right. Instead, what is it going to be used for? I don't know, but like, let's dream. And like, right. that, like, what would the kingdom of heaven look like if it came to this bank building? And like, that's a fun question to ask. Yeah. And if you're an employer right now, yep. like you can look at the vacation schedule of yes. the Old Testament and see how can I do justice yeah. for my employees and give them peace and rest. Like, that's a legitimate way to build a business yeah. based on the principles of scripture. Like, these texts change the way that we work, not just the way that we rest. Okay, so we took a little break to talk about what is rest and everything like that. Now we need to jump back in the text, and we, we I think we got through the Feast of Weeks right, so next and looking is, at Pentecost. And then there was the Feast of the Trumpets. Yeah, which I, has no context. <laughs> I know. It's speak to the people of Israel, saying, in the seventh month, on the first day of the month. So... I think we need to see here oh. that this is the opening of the most holy month. This right. is the opening of the seventh month. Blow a trumpet, and uh, in numbers we're going to see that when those trumpets are blown, shofars. They the shofars when the yeah. show, for the for all our Pentecostal friends out there, um, <laughs> who know, they're the only people who know that word. Um, they uh, the the they they are supposed to be giving like signs to the people to move to different places. And one of the places that the people are supposed to move that we're supposed to see here is that this is a calling of the people to the tabernacle. A holy a calling. Holy calling. A holy this call. is a holy, a holy convocation. convocation. Exactly. And so uh, when that trump uh, on, on the first day... I'm also thinking of oh, the sorry. trumpet blast in Revelation. You're supposed to. Yeah. Yes. When, he, when you hear the, when the Lord comes, yes. it's the beginning of the Sabbath that's right. Month, the Sabbath yes. lifetime, the Sabbath the eternity. Fr- yeah, the Sabbath eternity. Yeah. And it's like, and, and you can even think, you can go back a little bit too, when God came on Mount Sinai, what is the sound that was heard other than thunder? Trumpets. Trumpets. The voice of the Lord was like a trumpet. And so it's like, this is what happens. When God shows up, trumpets are sounded. Mm-hmm. And like, they might not be actually made of brass trumpets. Or ram's horns. You know, or ram's horns. Or the shofar. <laughs> but they are, it's like the sound is that of a trumpet or a ram's horn. Right, it's right. like this loud clarion call that... And it just—I was going to make the noise for a second. Don't do it. I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, what you're supposed to see here in this feast as a Christian is the fact that one day will come and the trumpet will sound, as First Corinthians 15, which we've already talked about, mm-hmm. will like says the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised. The Lord shall descend. It is well with my soul. Yeah, and it's like this is the day we look for. We look forward to this this final trumpet being blown 
and God coming to be with us. So that's the Feast of Trumpets. It was a calling to the people to begin the most right. holy month. And think too, like when the trumpets are blown, when Jesus returns for the final time, we join him in the air. We yep. we come to him. We come in, to him. He calls us to himself. Air. We have yeah. a holy convocation in the air. And cool. then we come back down to earth, new, yeah. a new created earth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then- Wait till Revelation, guys. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, yeah. It'll be a while. <laughs> it'll be a while. <laughs> you hardcore fans, you'll be with us three, four years from now when we're in Revelation. Um, okay. So the Day of Atonement is then How after this. How much better is Revelation going to be than Leviticus? Oh, we're my gosh. We're going to be so much better. We're going to be so much better at this. Yeah. I hope. I hope so. Either that or we'll just get sillier as we, <laughs> as we go on. Uh, the I, I would never have put a Dippin' Dot story in the middle of a exegesis uh, in our first episode. No, but, but now, now I'm comfortable with it. <laughs> Just wait. We're going to be talking about <laughs> weird stuff. <laughs> okay, David Tome. We've, we've talked at length about David Tome. So we're Rewind. not going to unpack go it. Go back to those. So if you, don't, if, you weren't, if you didn't listen to that, go back, listen to it. Um, but here it is being celebrated. Right. And On the, in the seventh month. Yep. As well. And, you know, and again, this Day of Atonement, um, you know, Jesus ultimately brought, you know, like you kind of have parallels to everything in these feasts with, with Jesus, you know, so like the, um, let me find it here. I have it written down so I didn't forget. So like the uh, Passover is like Good Friday. Okay. Like communion. Liturgical calendar. Right. Good Friday. Unleavened bread is Easter. Weeks is Pentecost. And then the Day of Atonement is like the gospel when he actually right, makes right. the yeah, high yeah, priest makes yeah, the final yeah, yeah. atonement for all people. And so anyway, um, we have that happening here. This is the center of the liturgical year. Yep. Um, it's the high point, Yom, Yom Kippur. Yep. Um, Yom Kippur. It, it's, it's, Yom it's, Kippers. It's the new year too. That's New Year's Day. Right, 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 right. right. That's this the beginning is, of the new year. Yeah, Happy New Year. I was just watching uh, Modern Miss Maisel. And, oh, really? Yeah, and they it's a whole Jewish community kind of thing. Oh, I haven't and seen it. And they... Uh, they the celebrate Yom Kippur and oh. they walked around going, Happy New Year, Happy New Year. And I was like, what? Oh, yeah, the beginning of the oh, calendar. I uh, had a moment like, uh, anyway. So then there's the Feast of Booths after that. Since we haven't, we talked about right. atonement a lot. on. on I'm excited about this one because this is, this one gets a whole chapter in the book of John. Ooh, does it? It does. Okay, talk, talk me through it. So, well, let's talk about the Feast of Booths first and what it does. Okay. So Feast of Booths, it was a time to remember the provision the Lord gave Israel in their wilderness wanderings. Right. So they're in the desert at the foot of Mount Sinai, receiving the law, and they had constructed these kind of like little tents. Temporary structures. Just as before they went on. And presumably they were in tents the entire time until they got to the promised land and right. built cities there. Yep. So Which was like over a year. That's yeah, a so it was a long time. time. So it's remembering that time in the desert where they were sojourners, Wanderers at the foot of the tab at the foot of um, the mountain, which yep. is now being replaced with being at the foot of the tabernacle. Yep, God's dwell God dwelt on the mountain. Now He's dwelling here in the tabernacle. And you were supposed to celebrate for seven days, essentially the Lord's provision. And right. So you're just supposed to eat food in tents. And so the way that it was celebrated, by the time you get to Jesus, is people would build tents in the city and like sit on your rooftop, like with your family and a bunch of different tents and just feasting and eating together right. and enjoying the festivities. That's intense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I had to. You I had, had to. to. <laughs> I had to. Yeah, right. Exactly. And it would last seven days. Yep. And yeah, in fact, look at, you guys can't see this. I'll show Seth. I underlined it every time it said the word seven in this I passage. Did save, did you, I did save it. so many sevens in this passage about Feast of Booths. Anyway, that's really interesting. Uh, and so they're all around the tabernacle. They're enjoying food with their family for a week. It's a party for a week. Yeah. And then, so Jesus in John chapter 17 goes to Jerusalem for the same feast. Were you going to say something else? I was just trying to remember if this one was more 
solemn than the other one. Because I remember reading that the spring festivals, the first ones we've talked about before the seventh month, were more joyful and the other ones were more solemn because you're in the fallow months waiting, hoping that God would come. In verse 39, it says, "In the first day shall be a day of solemn rest, and on the eighth day shall be a day of solemn rest. And you shall take on the first day the fruits of the splendid trees, palm palm trees, all that kind of stuff. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Okay, and celebrate. I see celebration. I don't know what solemn means. I don't know if it means somber. Right. It just means particularly set apart. Sure. So anyway. Okay. That's what this, remember what the Lord provided in the desert. Right. Particularly now. food, oh, water, right. yep. wine, quail, like yeah. food, and you're eating. Well, right. God provided. So fast forward to Jesus. Okay. John. 17. 17? 17. Right? So it was se- seven? Oh, it's seven. It's yeah. seven. It's, seven. <laughs> it's John The seven. high priestly prayer. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I did the same thing earlier today as I was studying for this. Oh, so I jumped funny. to John 17. John, John seven. Seven. Okay. Jesus ends up going to the Feast of Booths. Oh, right. In... The, in Jerusalem, yeah, on the last day, so on the seventh or eighth day, okay, it is the climax of the ceremony. Oh, right. And he gets up, and what what would happen? So, so by the time we get to Jesus, there's been all those historical additions to this feast right. that have happened. Yep. And so, what would happen is that there would be this golden vessel, mm-hmm. and the high priest would walk down to the pool of Siloam, and he would take up some water. And he would walk it through the streets of Jerusalem, carrying it above his head, and the people would be rejoicing and chanting. And they'd be like singing like psalms, like one one thirteen to one to one eighteen. One eighteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when he gets to the top of the hill by the temple, he pour he pours water and wine into two separate bowls, mm. representing the water and the wine that was provided in the wilderness, like sustenance, sustenance, sustenance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they pour it out as an offering. Okay. And then it's at that moment. As the high priest is pouring out the water, that Jesus gets up and says, I am the living water. So here at the climax of the feast, the high point on the highest day, the priest is pouring out the water. Jesus gets up and cries out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Mm. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Mm. So think about that. So Jesus, God had provided water in the wilderness for decades or for years, for a year yeah, as year, they were yeah, yeah, yeah. wandering, water's gushing out of rocks, yeah. all this crazy stuff's happening. They've come together for a full week to celebrate the provision of water. And as the priest pours the water out, he comes up and says, I am the water that you're celebrating right now. It's crazy. Crazy. <laughs> it's also really, it's just a really high view of Christ here in verse 38. As the scripture, uh, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, it's like yes. he's referencing the Old Testament, which only ever tells you to believe in Yahweh. Right. But think about this. Wait, wait, but it's just like, what scripture he's referencing? Oh no, Psalm one eighteen, which they oh, would have they've been singing at the high point. Listen, listen to what no. they would have just said. They would have said, "This is the gate of the Lord." which is what he's called in John uh, 10. ten. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. Uh, I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders have rejected have become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in their eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. Hosanna, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord forever. This, the Lord is God. 
and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the sacrifice with cords on the, thor- the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will ex- extol you. O oh God, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. I am the living water. Goodness gracious. Isn't that crazy? That's so insane. they would have been singing that, and Jesus says, according to those scriptures, yep. I am. Believe in me. <laughs> I am your salvation. I am the water. I am the light. Right? Is it the yeah, light yeah, of I'm salvation? The light. Which is I'm what, the gate. Right. <laughs> like, it's like in the next cha- in the next chapter in John eight is where he says, "I am the light of the world." Yes. And then two, three chapters later in John ten, he says, "I am the gate." Man, I didn't know he was pulling on John one eighteen so much. Uh, Psalm one eighteen. Oh, yeah. John one. <laughs> I mean, that's how long he wanted his his book to be. You know, he says so at the end. But isn't that crazy? That's beautiful. That's amazing. Jesus is the point of the Feast of Booths. Definitely the point (laughs) of the Feast of Booths. Man, could you imagine that scene though? Like, you're like, all right, this is my 20th Feast of Booths. I know how this, you know, I know how this goes. Uh, And like, like, you're not, and I'm not saying that to be like, like, right. Like, uh, you're in it. You love it, but you're used to it. And like, you know what comes next. And you're, you're singing your heart out, Psalm 118. And you finish the song. Yeah. And it's over. And then this, I'll praise the Lord forever. I'll praise the Lord forever. And then this dude gets up and says, I am that water. Believe in me. And you're like, what? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty bold move. <laughs> Super bold move. <laughs> Can you imagine like, uh, like as the fireworks are crescendoing on 4th of July, you <laughs> say, I am America. <laughs> you get up on like a Washington Monument, yes, fireworks behind yes. you. <laughs> I am America. <laughs> the high priest is there. Donald Trump's behind you. Yeah. <laughs> He's like... <laughs> It's funny. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Anyway, that's amazing. Uh, and those are those whoever are believes in me, as the scriptures have said. Oh, it's so, so good. good. Anyway, just it's so good. Um, okay. So, oh, we need to jump. We're gonna skip real quick. We're gonna skip chapter twenty-four, come which back is this. To it next week. We're gonna come back to it next week. It's a it's a strange little excursus, like, and we'll talk about why it's there and everything like that. But we want to finish the festivals. Yeah. And so the big mamma jamma is the Sabbath year which every seventh year was a Sabbath year, yes. right? So that's when you leave yeah, the, we, the We ground. talked about this earlier, but what we didn't get to uh, mm-hmm. was how Jesus fulfills this. Yeah. So every seventh, seventh year, seven by seven times seven year, you know. You get the year of Jubilee. You get the year of Jubilee, which we have no record of knowing that this was ever actually practiced. And um, so the year of Jubilee was? It was, I mean, it was, it was a, the reset button for Israel. Yeah. And so um, any land that was sold... Because the oh. Lord owned the land, right? Yeah. So yeah, he the says, idea is yeah. that the everything that you have is from the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. It's twenty five, twenty three. The land shall not be sold in perpetuity. You shouldn't not sell the land forever, for the land is mine. So that goes not just to property rights, but also the fact that it produced crops at all. Yeah. Like everything the Lord has given you is from Him, and so the year of jubilee kind of takes that one step further and says, okay, that extends to what you not just what you gain from the land, right? But what the land itself. Right. That's right. Right. And so if you have, so like in this society, it would not be odd or rare for someone who goes in debt to have to sell their land, right? To, right. In order to get out of debt or pay a debt. Uh, nor would it be rare to have to sell yourself or your family into slavery. But there are rules here about how that should take right. place. You're not supposed to be treated like a slave, but yeah. as a hired hand. Yes, yes, and yes. you you would be given shelter and you'd be cared for. You wouldn't be whipped or anything like that. You right. know, uh, you'd be treated almost like family. Uh, in fact, other parts of Leviticus talk about how to treat your hired workers, right. and it's like family. Um, but 
in the year of Jubilee, um, if you are enslaved at all, if you have a debt to pay off that you're trying to pay off by being a hired hand, it is canceled, 100% done away with, right. no payment to be made, and you get to go back to your original land. It's given back to you. It's given back to you, and, and you're free, your family's free. I mean, imagine that. Imagine if you were born into a family that you know had sold themselves into slavery. You've got you 20 years left. 20 on. years left, and you, you grow up working as a hired, a hired hand. You have no land, you have no home, you, you, you own nothing. Right. And then the year Jubilee would come, and you all of a sudden have this huge farm. You have your own home. You're not beholden to anyone anymore. You're not enslaved. You're free. And it's like, imagine what that year would feel like. It would, And then imagine if somebody came to you and said, I need help. I'll sell you my land, or I'll sell myself to you. Can right. I come work for you? It would totally change your relationship to them because you had been them. Yes. Like You were once slaves in the land of Egypt. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, I was once a slave to my right. to my uh, friend over here, yes. you know. And so when Jesus gets on the scene, he ends up saying that he is the one bringing this year of jubilee. Uh, he quotes Isaiah sixty one one. Uh, he does so. You might remember the scene in Luke four where he comes into the synagogue and he gets the scroll of Isaiah out and he starts reading it, and he's like. I'm here, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And that was shorthand for the year of Jubilee. It was the year of the Lord's favor is this year, this year of Jubilee. And he's like to proclaim uh, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty the captives. Like he's going to do all this stuff and more that the year of Jubilee could never do. The year of Jubilee couldn't bring back a blind man's sight. And Jesus is like, I'm going to even give a one up on the year of Jubilee. And think about that. That was our situation. Like we were slaves. Right. And like we didn't like sell we didn't sell ourselves into slavery because we needed something. We did it out of joy. We're like, man, yeah. We were slaves to sin, following the course of this world, following right. the prince of the power of the air. And like our willingness to sin, yep. our willingness to define like good to, and evil for ourselves. For ourselves yep. is a form of is slavery. Yes. The Bible always equates sin to slavery. Right. Romans Romans 6. Go read Romans 6. It talks all about this. Right. Yeah. And we were slaves to sin. The freedom mm-hmm. to choose good and evil for ourselves is actually called slavery. Yes. Well, our world currently defines as the ultimate good, if you determine your truth, mm-hmm. to name your truth, is what the Bible calls slavery. That's right. That's right. And so we, this was our actual situation that we had no no property that would be ours forever. I mean, just think about that even from a worldly standpoint. Like when you die- I was die, thinking about that today. Like when, <laughs> when you die, you'll have no property because you're dead. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, but like, let alone, do you have no earthly property forever? Like you'll have no eternal inheritance or anything. Like you have no land, you're enslaved to sin forever. There's no year of Jubilee coming. There's no release. You are a slave forever. And then Jesus comes and he says, I'm here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I'm going to set the prisoners free. And he does so by being the day of atonement forever and by paying everyone's debt. So like there's there's provisions here inside the year of Jubilee that say say you 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 have 20 years left on your contract right, to be right, a slave. Right. If a kinsman that you have, like a, a brother, sister, right, uncle, uh, has all this money and right. they can pay off the remainder of your 20 years. Basically, let's say that you're worth a hundred bucks a year right. and there's 20 left, you mm-hmm. know, you'd pay that off. Right. right? And so uh, Jesus says, okay, I can take everyone's debt that they have left to pay and I can pay it on the cross. 
Mm. And that's what he right, did. Right, right, and he right. set at liberty the captives. He he redeemed us. He bought us back from our slave master of sin by paying the full price. That's how he brought the year of Jubilee. Like right. he just he just closed the gap on the eternity remaining mm. for our enslavement period. Like and, it wasn't twenty years. Right. It was a forever and he paid that so that he could bring the never before brought year of Jubilee to the present that would right. have never come. And will never come for those who don't believe in him. Right. And then he becomes our inheritance. Yeah. It's not just that he cancels the debt, that we get the riches of Christ. Right. We get him. Yep. So like, it's not just like we get the debt canceled and we get the land back. That's right. Right. Like, like, which is great news. (laughs) Like if I was in debt to somebody, like if I like foreclosed on my house because Mm -hmm. like I couldn't pay it. Right. And then somebody came and paid the debt. And then didn't own the house himself, but gave it back to me. Right. Oh my gosh. Like right. that's a huge burden. Like I don't owe any money on my house anymore. Like I yeah. can just live here and work here and build my nice little garden in the back. You right. know, like that's a huge grace. Right. It's one thing it's to have good your, news. It's very good. It's one <laughs> yeah. thing to have the debt paid for. Right. It's one thing to have your debt paid for and then be, be given a huge parcel of land in a house. Right. Yeah. Be given the inheritance. Yeah. And the inheritance is the riches of the goodness and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. Even more so. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like in in here in this text we see that uh, the land is God's, and that's the inheritance that you'll receive. Right. But in the but in the eternal final inheritance, it's not the land. It's not like the land that's God's that's right. your reward. It's God Himself that right. is your reward. And it's amazing that we'll we sit with Him in authority. Sit with Him. Oh, it's gonna be so good. Anyway, well, one more episode left in Leviticus. We'll do. We'll go back and do twenty four, and then we'll do the blessings and curses, and then the strange really strange ending on vows. Oh, in, about yeah, the in, covenant, like, if you obey, here's all the good things you yeah, can expect. The blessing and curses. Yeah, and, and then, then it just ends on this, like, people make vows. Oh, yes, yes, and it's yes, like yes. people have, like, scratched their heads on why it ended this way, and we'll speculate wildly as to why. <laughs> no. Uh, anyway, well, thank you guys for joining us. This has been so much fun. One more episode in Leviticus, and then we'll jump to numbers. Uh, this has been so much fun. Um, we hope you guys have a great hang week. Hang in there. Yeah, hang keep in re- there. Keep, keep reading. reading. Keep reflecting. We love you. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to creating free gospel-centered media that speaks the gospel out of every corner of scripture. So to join us in our mission and view our resources, we invite you to visit SpokenGospel.com.